1: Have you ever had that feeling that you want more out of life, but you're not sure what it is you're looking for? It's not a job change or a house move, and it's certainly not another baby. When today's guest Laura Best got that feeling, she didn't have the time or the money to take up a new hobby, but she still felt there was something missing. And she realised that something was other women and the energy they could create when they had each other's backs. So she set up Passion Collective, a place where women could come together to learn about cool new stuff they were doing, fearlessly and just for the joy of it. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect, both online and in person. My goal is to share with you inspiring stories about juggling family life and everything that comes with it. Laura has always been a go-getter. She quit her PR job in Birmingham to set up a new life for herself in Minnesota, America, when she was in her 20s, getting married and starting a family after getting her green card. Now, her passion collective is global, with women across the world coming together for virtual social events and to empower and support each other. For Laura, it's all about a sense of belonging. So let's get straight into talking to Laura about why she set it up and how you can get involved. So hi, Laura. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, good. So tell me about Passion Collective. What's it all about and why did you decide to launch it? Uh, Passion Collective is a community of professional women.
0: Um, We are mainly... Headquartered, I guess the fancy word would be in Twin Cities uh, in America, in the United States of America. And the Twin Cities are Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, we are a community of women who are helping each other thrive. Um, and the idea is that, you know, as mid career women, which many of us are, many of our passionados, was, as we call ourselves, are 10, 15, 20 years into our career. Many of us have accomplished a load of stuff, like we've done tons of things, right? We've created careers, we've maybe had families, we've, you know, uh, developed ourselves, moved away, you know, helped people, um, all those things. We've also gone through some tough stuff, like there's not one person I know who hasn't gone through some stuff, right, by the time you're in your 30s or your 40s. So we're really a community of women who get that with each other. And we want to encourage and support each other through that, through the chapter of life that we may be in. And we want to do it in a way that lifts each other up.
1: That's really good. It's such a nice idea. I love it. So you're a Brit in America. So why did you decide to move to the States and how difficult was it to set up a new life there? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, So I came here
0: originally when I was 19. I was at Warwick University, so I was in the Midlands. Um, I was in my, what was it, my first year at Warwick and I really wanted to explore the world like you do, you know, when you're that age. And I ended up coming to Minneapolis for the summer through a program called BUNAC. I don't think they do it anymore at at British universities. Um, And you could spend three months in anywhere basically any city in America or Canada that you wanted it was brilliant they gave you a visa and you could do whatever you want I was like great so I ended up in Minneapolis and through a very long story which we don't have time to talk about here but it involved a hairdryer. that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> um and I ended up having just the best summer of my life Minneapolis um is now, but especially back then, was this incredible city of culture and theatre and art. It's a really outdoorsy city, tons of lakes and parks and I mean, it was just amazing. And not that Warwick and Coventry wasn't amazing, obviously, um, but it was definitely a bit different to Cov, I will say. (laughs) There's definitely a different (laughs) life to Cov. Um, And so, you know, when I was 19, I was like, oh, this place is amazing. And I really was drawn to it. There was something about Minneapolis in particular, but also something about the expanse of the United States and just the idea that you, and it sounds really cliche, but you can be anything you want to be, um, you know, cue singing and dancing. But it was, I really felt that when I was 19. Anyway, I did my summer. I went back to Warwick. I graduated Warwick, started working, ended up working in Birmingham actually for a couple of years. Um, Actually, it was five years that I was working in the middle of Birmingham, just off the Ring Road at a place called Harrison Cowley in PR. And I kept getting drawn back to Minneapolis. I'd made friends there. I just loved it and I was really pulled back. So I decided to go and get a job, which is what you do when you're that age. I'm just gonna go and get a job. And luckily I had enough friends and community back in Minneapolis to help me get a job in advertising. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I ended up moving there in the year 2000. So it was a long time ago now and it's gone really quickly. Yes. I did not expect to still be here 22 years later. I thought I would come over for a few years, do some work, go somewhere else. I really didn't have much of a plan, to be honest. I think it killed my parents at the time. They were like, what are you doing? Um, but it's an incredible place to live and work. And as I, you know, um, really developed my my career here in Minneapolis, but also developed my sense of self. I realized it was such an amazing place to live and work um, and ended up staying and It was to answer your second question, it was relatively easy for me to move over. Um, I was so excited, you know when you 're that age, and everything is just like you 're not really looking backwards you 're looking forwards the whole time and you know, to a certain extent, I was trying to, you know, escape some things as well. You know, I just felt like I had more to give. And I felt honestly, at the time that the job I was in and where I was living, I felt like I didn't really see a super bright future ahead, um, unless I was going to work, work, work. And in Minneapolis, it just felt like people we're loving life more, you know, so much more culture and arts. And I will preface this by saying, I know that Birmingham is amazing now for arts and culture. I've been following all the reinvestment that's been happening in the city. And it's, Amazing. And I'm a huge Peaky Blinders fan, so that helps too. Um, But at the time, (laughs) I was like, oh my God, this this is an incredible place to be. And I had this little community of friends who helped settle me in. If I'd just come here as, you know, someone literally fresh off the boat, I can imagine it would be extremely difficult. The summers in the Midwest are absolutely beautiful. Spring, summer, fall are incredible. Winters are horrendous. They're incredibly cold. I don't know if anyone listening to this has watched Fargo, um, but that it is actually what it's like. I mean, it literally looks like Siberia with snow piled up, temperatures in the sub-zeros for a long time. So after a while, I began to feel quite isolated, very homesick. Um, I got laid off nine months after I arrived in Minneapolis through no fault of my own. I mean, when is it ever? So there were lots of challenges um, after I'd sort of got over my first honeymoon period. But the thing that really sustained me was my friends, my community, my group of people. And that really is one of the threads that you can thread through to Passion Collective too. You know, I'm someone who's an outsider who's come somewhere new and I've had to make friends. So I know what it feels like to feel a bit lonely and like you don't belong anywhere and you know, just wanting some friendship. Um, and so for me, Passion Collective is one way that I'm trying to help women do that for each other.
1: It's clearly working. I mean, there's some of the stories that you share on there are just so inspiring. Tell me about some of your favourite ones.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we're... Um, We're almost at 5,000 passionados now, which is pretty amazing. And we, um, we have a grant program where you can apply for cash and coaching to help you pursue your passion. And we just received two and a half thousand applications from 46 countries across the world. I mean, literally... Last week for me was absolutely crazy because it exploded. What is happening? And the passion stories that we do are one piece of that. I think we've done about 65 of them now. And passion stories highlight women who are pursuing their passion. Um, but the way we do them is very realistic. Like I was so tired of hearing these stories of like, oh yeah, like I just quit my job and six months later. I'm a millionaire or, you know, the sort of thing. And it's, it can be really inspiring, like for a second. And then, you know, you've got to go and do the laundry or pick the kids up from school. And you're like, well, how the hell is that relevant to my life? Like, I just really wanted to be inspired by the reality of women who are pursuing their passions. And I didn't just want to talk about work stuff, because I do totally believe that you can be passionate about your work. And you can be, you know, you can strive for meaningful work. Um, But at Passion Collective, we talk about work and life. Like, I think it's all mixed in together. It's very difficult to separate them. So, yeah, we've done many, many passion stories. The ones that are my favourite are definitely the ones where the women um, have gone on, I suppose, the classic hero's journey of a story. You know, I started here, I had this thought gave it a shot. I put myself out there. Then this really bad thing happened, but then I overcame it and here's where I am, you know, and very, actually a lot of our stories are like that because that's what life is like, right? Um, we have stories about women who are pursuing their art. We have stories about women who, you know, have been through personal trauma themselves and are trying to help others. One of my favorite stories is, Um, actually an English person called uh, Vicky Harrison, who lives uh, in Southport now. Um, But she'd been through some really horrific stuff in her childhood, like properly awful. Um, And somehow she survived all of that. Um, She also um, got to a point with her personal life where she was at rock bottom, um, you know, attempted suicide uh, became obese. I mean, she talks about this. This isn't me saying it. Um, and she turned herself around and actually with the help of Everton football club, it's a really cool story. And so she, uh, she basically was using her experience to go out there and help other people who might be in similar situations in her own way. Um, And that to me was one of the more powerful stories that we had, um, that we have shared because she was sharing so much, you know, and I think that's what makes us different too. We're very uh, casual. We're very organic, as they say. Um, We like to say at Passion Collective, you know, you can take your armor off when you join a Passion Collective event or workshop, whether you're online or in person, You don't need to have an elevator pitch about who you are or what you do. Just come and be yourself. And so those are the stories where, for me, they really come true. And then I think the latest one that we just published this week is so full of fun. Um, It's a woman called Lauren. She is actually in Minneapolis. She's a super high-level person at a big company here. Um, So she had a really important job, especially during COVID. Uh, She was in healthcare like working so hard, like a lot of the uh, healthcare workers were. And she started making cocktails during COVID. And not, you know, just to relax for herself. Like she really got into the craft of cocktail making and the art of cocktail making and got sort of super obsessed in a really good way. And it's just a really great story about how one woman has found something that she really loves to do, And, you know, she posts a cocktail a week on Facebook and everyone's telling her it looks great. And it's just a lovely story of, you know, someone finding a bit of joy and doing something that they love. And there's no, like, she's not selling them. She's not started a business. She just does it. And that's as much Passion Collective as anything else, you know.
1: I know you've said that, um, You you yourself have talked about craving a bit more fun in your life, but maybe not having the time or the money to do it, which I think we all feel a bit like that. Why do you think that that happens to women? And why do you think we, as we get older we feel a bit less fun? Oh,
0: my God, I I love that question, Zoe. God, we could talk all day about that.
1: You know, it was funny. um, Last night... (laughs) It's a theme we talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, it's so true. Um, So I'll give you an example from last night. Um, and then I'll talk
0: more about I think uh, why I think that um, particularly as women we we have to manage that. So last night I finished work. It was a day yesterday. Like I mean, it was productive, but you know you have those days where you literally like emerge at five or six o'clock and you're like, okay, what happened? <laughs> now I've yes. got to put my other hat on and take care of the house and take care of the kids and I suppose I should eat, you know, and all of that. And so I suddenly remembered, right, I've got to go out and water the plants, because in Minneapolis, it gets really hot in the summer. And if you don't water them, they literally like frazzle. (laughs) It's it's not like living in Coventry. The weather is very different. Um, And that's good. And it's bad sometimes. So I'm out there and I'm watering the plants, which is a bit of a chore. I mean, that sounds like a real first world problem. But I'm like, oh, my God, I've got so much other things to do other than water the plants. And my daughter, Sophia, comes outside and uh, she's like, Mama, can I can I hold the hose? like sure because I've got other stuff to do right I'm thinking about my my to-do list and she accidentally sprays me and the water is freezing <laughs> cold and I actually kind of get a bit grumpy about it because it took me by oh my God like what are you doing um, and then she looked a bit crestfallen and immediately I feel bad you know like oh no and she said mama can you get me back And so, my immediate thought was literally the self talk in my brain was, Oh, no, I shouldn't. She's going to get wet and I don't have time. I have all these other things to do. And then I was like, Sod it. Like, I grabbed the hose and I totally sprayed her head. And she was squealing (laughs) and screaming and running around the garden. And I'm laughing, right? Like, totally laughing. Like, just ridiculous. And so for me, that's a really good example, right? I think as women,
1: and of course, is, she, I love that. she had to dry herself <laughs> and
0: then she tread it all. I mean, there was mud on the floor and, all, and I was like, oh my God, and the clothes were all wet. But it was so lovely. It was one of the nicest moments of the day. And I almost didn't do it because of the responsibility thing. And I think as women, you know, we have a lot of responsibility. We can't get away from it. You know, society has given that responsibility to us, Um you know i'm not saying that men don't you know work hard but women as we know take on the majority of the burden of household tasks looking after the kids etc cetera, etc cetera. we constantly have this list in our head like multiple lists of all the things that we've got to do not just today but in 3 months 6 months 12 months if you're anything like me and it's just constant yes. right and there's this feeling that we have to hold it together like, we're the ones who've got to hold it together. And if the floor gets dirty or if there's, you know, there is this sort of, I think, low-level anxiety that many of us are working with every day about these spinning plates that are always going around. And we're trying not to drop them or we're trying not to let them smash. And part of that is us doing it to ourselves. And I don't mean to sound like I'm blaming it. I mean, I can blame myself for it every day, you know, but we do we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get all the stuff done and do more and be more and a lot of that like I say is pressure from the outside but yesterday that moment I had
1: was literally just a oh sod it moment like who cares and I just sometimes we have to just let off steam don't we just like that and just who cares who cares if
0: the floor's dirty who cares if she gets wet who cares if I get wet? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's easy to say now, but I actually was thinking about it last night and I was like, gosh, I wonder if I hadn't have done that, what message I was also giving Sophia. You know, I mm. wonder whether she would have asked me again to spray her or whether she would just think in her head, oh, no, I better not ask mama to spray me because, you know, she's so busy. She... And so it's this interesting idea. Now, you could argue, well, Laura... Now you're saying that we've got to play more with our kids on top of everything else that we've got to do. (laughs) And that's a pressure as well, right? But it's not meant to be a super literal example. It's just for me personally, I don't make enough time in my life for that. Um, And I think, you know, with Passion Collective, one thing I'm trying to do is to get more women just to talk about it because we keep so much of this stuff inside of us and we're all... You know, some days it's like it's bubbling up and up and up and up and we're just trying to keep our head above water and we don't talk about it enough. So hopefully by talking, everybody can realise that it's normal, you know, and that we can give ourselves permission to do what we want to do.
1: Yes. And do you think everyone has their own thing, kind of their their own passion that they that they love, but we tend to bury it away because we think, oh, well, that's a bit frivolous, so a frivolous way to use my time. And, and, and if you do, why do you think we do that to ourselves?
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I don't want to, I would like to say, yes, I believe everyone has a passion because that's what we're doing, right? I, I don't want to assume that for every human on the planet, but I really do believe that each one of us has things that we love, Or at the very least, there are things that we used to love. Um, And I think what happens is people think that to be passionate about something, you need to be perfect at it, or you need to have, you know, a business that supports it, or you need to be winning awards, or you need to be showing at the country show, like whatever it is, right? Well, I can't just bake cakes. I've got to win the gold rosette at the country show. It's like, what? Um... So there's a lot of pressure, I think, for people to feel that I can't try because it might not work. And then there's a feeling of <laughs> anticipating shame, Um there's a concept called anticipatory grief, which is when you grieve for someone before they die. So if someone's got, you know, a terminal illness or anything like that, you you actually grieve before they've gone. And I think there's something like anticipatory shame where you're, you know, before you've even tried baking the cake or knitting the jumper or running the race, you're already predicting that you're going to fail and that people are going to look at you and say, oh my God, who does she think she is? She was rubbish, you know, pfft you know, and it's, Mm. I know, because I'm putting myself out there practically every day with Passion Collective. I do not have this figured out at all, by the way. I'm learning with everybody else. And it is scary to put your writing out there or to try something new. But, um, society doesn't make it easy for us. Social media definitely doesn't. Um, actually the the more i work with this and the older i get the less i want to be on social media because it's just not helpful
1: I know what you mean. I, I was reading the cocktail lady's passion story and she was saying she was nervous putting it out on social media, thinking, oh, who's this mom who's got all this time to drink? And and you think, gosh, oh, she's, she's doing such a creative, lovely thing. But in the back of her mind, she's got this, uh, these cogs going around thinking, should I really put that on social media?
0: Yeah, and here she is, an SVP of communications at this massive yes. company, right? Of course she's not. Or maybe she thought, oh my God, everyone's going to think I'm like a raging alcoholic because all I'm doing is posting drinks. But she still did it. And, and that's why I love the fact she still did it. Yeah, she did it. And when you look at her posts and see some of the comments below, you know, she's just making a drink and they do look beautiful, but people really love it, you know? Mm. So, you know, there's... Um, there's a well-known writer called Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, some of you may have heard of her. She yes. wrote Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic and, and things like that. Um, she's great. She's <laughs> She has a lot of sort of fun videos on YouTube and whatnot. And one of them is about, you know, the difference between – let's see if I can get this right – a job, a career, and a calling. I feel like I'm missing one, but I'm going to use three, for example – Um, Oh no, sorry. A hobby, a job, a career and a calling. That's right. And it's a really good like three minute video about the difference between them. And a hobby she defines is something that you just do because you love it. And you might be Mm. really, really bad at it. Horrible at it. Like I tried pottery once. (laughs) I did a pottery (laughs) class. I don't know if anyone's ever tried pottery, but it's really, really hard. Like I had this image of, you know, the ghost scene with Patrick Swayze and, you know, like, (laughs) and it was not like that. It was in this sort of school classroom. There were no sexy men there. Um, And it was very, very difficult to even shape the clay to start with. I got absolutely filthy. Like I was crap at it, honestly. Um, But it was really enjoyable. Um, And I actually posted a post when I finished the class with my wobbly pots, you know, just with this big smile on my face and I haven't pursued it after that. And that's okay. It, it, you know, these things don't need to be lifelong things. But I know that I love pottery. And now when I'm out and about, or if I see people, you know, on YouTube, I'm sort of fascinated by it. Because I'm like, how do they do that? Like, God, I wish I could do that. You know, so this idea of a hobby, I think, is very important for people to understand. A hobby can still be something you're passionate about. Um, and then a job is just something you got to do to get the money in you've got to pay the bills and many people just have jobs that's it and that's okay and you can have multiple jobs it's okay we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have a career just like we do yes. to have like a hobby that has to make money it doesn't and then a career she defines as something that you're willing to sacrifice for and when she said that I was like ooh, that's really <laughs> like I was like, yeah, no one told me that when I was 20. Like a career you're going to have to sacrifice for. Um, And then a calling is something that you can't stop yourself from doing. Like it's just flowing out of you, you know. Um, And you can have, you know, mix and match these things in different ways. But when I saw that piece from her, I just thought it was so clear in the way that she was defining it. And so to answer your first question, I think, you know, people can find what they love. We're actually going to be launching something um, here on Passion Collective in the next couple of weeks called the Passion Finder. And it's a really quick and easy sort of mini exercise, mini course that you can go through to remind yourself of the things that you used to love. Because especially if you're, I don't know, 30s or 40s, and if you're, you know, doing the kid thing and the work thing, you probably don't have a lot of time in your day to be, you know, sitting at a potter's wheel, (laughs) you know. I mean, most people I know are doing a day shift, taking care of the kids, and then they're jumping on at night to finish off the work that they couldn't get done during the day. So, Mm. um, but with something like our Passion Finder, you can actually give yourself a bit of time with a cup of coffee and think about, wait a minute, I used to really love doing that. I wonder why I loved that. And could I still love it? And there are some things that we used to love that we would never, ever do again, right? We change. But then there are some themes about the things that we love that we can carry forward. And then we can make a commitment to ourselves to actually try more things, regardless of the outcome. And for me, that's the really important piece about it. I think when you've got more of that stuff in your life, you're happier, you
1: know, and your life is yes. better. And it's just good to try new things, isn't it? You never know until you've tried it. You don't, but it's so scary sometimes. You
0: know, this this is what I love about what you're doing, Zoe, with Brummy Mummies, like just having a space for people to show up, you know. You know, Mm. even if you're on your own and you don't know anyone, you know that it's a trusting community and that people are going to be friendly. And I think that's part of the problem, or that has been part of the problem before communities like ours were built is that there weren't very many places to show up. If you think about, like, the Women's Institute, like, with our mums. Like, my mum never did the Women's Institute, but I know loads of mums in the 60s and 70s did WI, right? They used to go and bake a cake or whatever. Um, My mum used to have coffee mornings with her mums, but there really wasn't, like, where do you go to do this stuff or to try this stuff? And now it's exploded because of the internet, but it's almost too much. It's almost, like, overwhelming, and people are so much busier these days because of technology in the world. And so that's why I think communities are really, really important.
1: Why did you decide to make yours a, a women's community rather than for men and women? Ooh, that's another really good question. Um, so
0: lots of reasons. But the main reason for me is when I started Passion Collective, it was actually kind of a selfish um, need that I had to be together with other women. I just craved the the company of other women. Um, you know, I've, I've been working so hard on my career and the family. It felt like we were all in these separate swim lanes, you know, and these women yes. that I used to know, we were all going in sort of a similar direction, but we didn't really sort of see each other anymore and we're all separate. So, you know, that was the beginning of it. But as I began to develop the idea, I realized that women, I believe women need their own places and spaces to open up to each other and to share their experiences. I mean, if you think about all the spaces that men have, you know, in America, it's like the golf club, right? And I'm not saying women don't play golf, but the classic example here is, and I used to work at a company where Friday afternoons, the male sales leaders used to go out and play golf and the women were back in the office, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was just this, one day I realized, well, maybe we women should figure out a place to go on a Friday afternoon to conduct our business and build relationships because we're stuck in our office, but they're off. So they've got their spaces, right? Even the traditional idea of the men's working club. Like My husband comes from Hartlepool and there's still a club in Hartlepool that won't let women in. I don't know how that's legal, well, but it anyway, <laughs> it's hardly poor, so maybe, I don't know. And they joke about it, right? And so I just wanted a space where we didn't have to explain ourselves. And you can be a woman, you can be someone who identifies as a woman. It's just about the experience of being a woman in today's world. Now, that being said, um, we have had men come to our events before. There was one event that we did actually a week before everything shut down here. It was crazy. Um, and the name on the guest list was Michael something or other, Michael Smith. And I actually have a female friend called Michael, so I didn't want to assume that this person was a man, and we don't ask people. Like, it's not that you're barred from entering if you're not a woman. So I was like, okay, well, maybe he's a man, all right. And he was, he was a man. And I went up to him at the event. I said, thank you so much for coming. Could I ask you why are you here? Like, not in any weird way, but I was really curious. And he said... I love what Passion Collective represents. Um, I want to be a better ally for the women on my team. So I want to go back to them, learn more about this conversation. So we were talking about confident and powerful communication and how it is different between men and women in work. He said, I want to know more about this so I can go back and help the women on my team. And I was, you know, I almost fell over. I was like, that is so amazing.
1: That's and amazing. he was great.
0: He was one of, you know, actually with that event, he was the only man in the room. There were probably 50 women there and he was loving it, you know. Um, but we are really a community by women for women.
1: So tell me a bit more about your online events and how people in the UK can get involved. Yeah, so we, I mean, we started Passion Collective, or I, said, I, should, I started it eight years
0: ago. And up until COVID, we were uh, we wrote our stories, our passion stories. We had launched our grant program. So if you want to apply for a grant, we're going to open the next round here in the next week or two. Um, so anyone from the world can apply for the grants. Um, but we just did in-person events. So we really were a Twin Cities organization. Um, then COVID hit, obviously, as everyone knows, and all of a sudden we couldn't meet in person. So I started for the month of April, I think it was in 2020. I did one event a week on Zoom and I just wanted to bring everyone together. And I got four women to come and share their story about a topic. And we did a digital version of our bigger events, which are called Buzz Sessions. And I called them mini buzzes because they were a mini version of The Buzz. That was the best I could do at the time, but it stuck pretty well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So we did four of those. I thought maybe two or three people might show up, because you remember what it was like then. Everyone's heads were spinning. It was awful. People were sick. It was crazy. And we had something like 125 women come for the month of April. And I was like, holy, okay. So that gave me some inspiration to get a digital home going for us. Um... So in six weeks, I built our Passion Collective on Demand platform. Um, And the intention was more of a longer term intention. It was not just, okay. this is for the next few weeks. I really wanted to build a place where, I mean, you could be in the Twin Cities, but if you don't want to come to events in person or if you don't have the time, then you could catch up on the events. So we could obviously record them and catch up on them. We could have a private place. Away from social media, where you could make new friends, you could connect for business, you could post your stuff. So let's just say you're trying the knitting thing. You know, you could post your latest <laughs> design, and the idea is the passionados would clap your, you know, clap. Oh, that's amazing! How did you do that? Versus posting it on Facebook, which could be terrifying,
1: right? So we've got a series of questions that we ask all of our guests. So I'm going to fire those at you now, if that's okay so what would be the two things that you would tell your 18 year old self if you had the chance hmm
0: I think at 18 it was crazy I was just finishing A levels you know I don't think I'd got my grades yet to get into Warwick or I didn't know where I was going what I was doing my parents were getting divorced it's a bit mental it's a crazy time actually um I think I'd have told myself two things. The first thing would have been to be curious about the different paths I could take. I remember, Mm -hmm. and this was, you know, when was this? 92? When did I go to work? 93. Yes, it would have been 92. Um, I was very much following a traditional path. You know, it was go to school, do your schoolwork, get your grades, because if you don't get your grades, you're not going there. And then you go there and I chose history as a degree. You know, I really wanted to do just history um, because I loved history. I still do. Um, I didn't give myself the chance to explore other avenues. Like I used to act quite a lot in school plays and stuff. I used to love acting. Um, And I never really pursued it because, you know, why would you be an actor? Like in the 90s, being an actor wasn't a career, especially for a woman so that would be one piece of advice for sure um the second thing and I think a lot of people will tell themselves this is is going to be okay you know yeah just I wish I, I mean I it's not even me telling me that it's you know I wish I just focused on that more when you look back on your life I think you know there are going to be tough times that you're going to go through but it's going to be okay so don't worry about it have fun
1: So what would be three things, what are three things that you love to do every day? So what gives you a great routine, start and end to the day? (laughs) Oh my God, I wish I could have the perfect day every day. But when the days are going
0: well, this is what I love to do. So I love to start the day with a walk. Um, I live in a really cool area. We're right next to a beautiful uh, nature park and lakes. There are lots of lakes in Minneapolis. So I love to go for an hour long walk and it just completely sets my day. I love listening to podcasts while I walk. My favorite podcast is Smartless, which just cracks me up. So I'm literally walking and laughing at the same time, um, which is hilarious. Um, And then I find that if I journal during the day, I have a better day than if I don't journal. So, you know, if I'm worried about something or even if something's going really well, just writing it down and getting it out. There's something about that exercise that helps me process and then my brain doesn't spin as much. And then the third thing I really love to do, and this, my husband thinks this is crazy, but we've got Alexa set up in our bedroom. And if you say over here, at least, Alexa, play Headspace, the meditation app. It gives you a 10 minute um, meditation that you can do lying in your bed and it sets you to sleep. And I absolutely love it. Nine times out of 10, I'm asleep before Andy, the guy has finished the meditation. Um, but it's a really peaceful way to end the day. So, yeah, for me, it's about creating space in my day and perspective on things.
1: Yeah, just gives you a moment to reflect. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) And what would be your advice to someone feeling like there's something missing in their life, maybe that they're craving a bit more fun?
0: Well, you could do the whole spray your daughter with a hose thing, which gives you a moment of of fun for sure. That was a nice moment of fun. fun. It was fun. Um, But you can't do that every day, obviously, especially when it's cold. Um, I think you've got to, this might sound really academic, but I think this is what helps. You've got to figure out what you enjoy doing. I think a lot of us Mm. have forgotten what we enjoy and we've forgotten what we love. Um, So you've literally got to make a list of the things that you enjoy. I know it sounds bonkers, but if you've got a post-it note, write three things down today that you absolutely love doing. Don't be judgmental on yourself about it. Just write three things that you love to do and stick it somewhere in the kitchen or on your laptop, whatever it is. Um, And so when you want to have more fun, it sounds crazy. You can look at your list and say, you know what? I do like doing that because we forget and we, we have these moments where we sit there and we're like, oh, I'm really down today. I really want to have more fun. And that's not the best time to try and brainstorm what to do. <laughs> you need your list so of true. things that you do. So what is it? You know, what are the three things? So that's what I would challenge everyone to do is to write your three things down.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Well, it's been brilliant talking to you, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Zoe, and thank you so much for everything you're doing with Brummy
0: Mummies. And hello to all the Brummy Mummies and Daddies, too. I think you're all doing an incredible job. Um, I love to think that there are so many connections happening there in such a big city that you're bringing so many people together. So hopefully, I'll be able to come and join one of your events one of these days.
1: Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yes, we'd love to have you here. And thank you for everything you're doing with the Passion Collective. It's really, really inspiring. Thanks, Zoe. You can read more about Laura on our Brummie Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. And you can find out more about the Passion Collective by visiting the website www.passioncollective.co. This is a laudable production, brought to you by Brummie Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummie Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up for our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.